Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that in the Bible, in these gospel accounts, we have this incredible privilege to be able to set our eyes upon who Jesus is. We, see the, we hear the words he says, we see the things he does, the way he interacts with others and with this world, and we know that he is still the same Lord today. Please help us to believe this. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever seen the film uh, The Thin Red Line. It's about World War II and, and the, the, the battle in the East in, in the Second World War. And there's a scene in it when a soldier is thinking about his experience of war and the devastation, that the human tragedy and cruelty of all that he's gone through. And in the film, there's this kind of monologue. You hear his thoughts. It begins, this great evil, where does it come from? How did it steal into the world? It's a really clever bit of, of writing. But this monologue is then picked up and, and used in something a little bit more lowbrow. One Tree Hill. Have you seen it? Kind of TV drama, more kind of high school romance, that kind of stuff. Um, but, but there's this tragic shooting in the school. And one of the characters picks up this thing from the thin red line. And, and we hear his thoughts. And this is what you're, you're going to see on the screen. He says, Does this darkness have a name? This cruelty, this hatred, how did it find us? Did it steal into our lives or did we seek it out and embrace it? When did we lose our way? Consumed by the shadows, swallowed whole by the darkness, does this darkness have a name? We all know something, don't we, of the the cruelty and, and the hatred that he's speaking about. Human history is filled with it. Just, just one example from, from something I heard this week. I was listening to a podcast about the, the Nazi invasion of Ukraine back in the Second World War. And after the invasion, the initial invasion, the Jews living in the city were, were rounded up. The city of Kiev, 33,000 were massacred, shot by Nazi soldiers. The Nazi Henrik Himmler was there and he was appalled. Do you know what appalled him? It wasn't the numbers killed. It was the fact that it was taking too much time to do it. After watching the massacre, he went away and he developed the terrible gas chambers to make the killing of Jews more efficient. Does this darkness have a name? Not just in history, is it? This darkness is all around us. Sometimes I find the daily news overwhelming. Just this morning... 60 are feared killed who are hiding in a school from a missile strike in the Ukraine. Hard to look at, isn't it, sometimes? You want to turn away from it all. The cruelty, the violence, the harm, the horror of what human beings can do to one another. What is this thing, this force, this power that so infects all of human society? Does this darkness have a name? Well, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus comes face to face with that darkness. We're going to see a couple of things. First, we're going to see that Jesus overcomes evil in the world. Jesus overcomes evil in the world. If you were with us last week, you'll know that he's just overcome a storm on the Lake of Galilee. And when he steps off the boat, he's immediately confronted by another storm. Verse 1, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. 
No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Verse 5, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. As Jesus steps off the boat, he's confronted with a storm, a storm of darkness in this one person. Something is controlling this man. Something is influencing him. That there is some presence attached to this man. What is it? Who is it? Well, verse 2, we're told it is a man with an impure spirit, an unclean spirit, an evil spirit. We read later that this impure spirit is the spirit of a demon called Legion. Now, I know that already for some of us, we're, we're kind of struggling with this, aren't we? For a long time in the West, we've dismissed demons and, and devils. We've told ourselves that those kind of things are childishness, silliness. We've got science, we've got technology, we've got modernity now. We don't need to worry about those kind of things anymore. But Jesus has no trouble accepting the existence of the devil and demons. In verse 9, he even speaks to this demon called Legion. I know it sounds strange to our sophisticated and modern 21st century ears, but we are unique to think that there is no personal force behind evil and darkness. Nearly every culture historically has believed in some kind of personal force behind evil. I guess we just need to be a little bit careful that we don't arrogantly dismiss something that outside of Western culture it is generally accepted. And also, how do we explain the darkness? This great evil, where does it come from? Why is every generation... Every civilization, every corporation, every government, every household tainted by darkness. Bible's explanation? There's someone behind it. The devil. Satan. And as we look at this man, that the state that he's in, we see something of what Satan's goal is, what evil is doing. It dehumanizes and it destroys. Verse 3, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he'd cry out and cut himself with stones. See, this man, possessed by demons, under the influence of the devil, is a shadow of a human being. He's isolated. Okay? He's, he's living amongst the tombs. I remember one of the oddest things Laura said to me early on in our relationship. She said, I love a good graveyard. You know, I just love walking around, reading the names. That, that is an odd thing to say. But you, you might enjoy visiting a graveyard. You wouldn't want to live there. This man has been pushed to the edge of society. He's isolated, cut off, forced to dwell upon his own. That is the dehumanizing power of evil. It isolates and divides and cuts people off from one another. And worse, this man is, is out of control. He cannot reason. He acts purely on impulse. We read later that he's without clothes. He, he seems more animal-like than human-like. The power of evil. It, it makes us less and less human. And 
it destroys. Later in this account, 2,000 pigs end up being, being drowned. And, and some people who read this, well, they don't like the idea that, that Jesus drowned all these pigs. But that's just it. Jesus didn't. He cast the demons out of the man. He allowed them to enter the pigs. But it was the demons who killed the pigs. Why? Because that is the goal of evil. To destroy and corrode and break down and undo and decreate and kill. What evil does? The influence and work of Satan is to dehumanize and destroy. Can we think about it like that? You suddenly see that influence everywhere, don't you? Even in the most mundane of places. The philosopher and Christian writer C.S. Lewis saw this very clearly. Writing over 70 years ago, he himself was reflecting on the horror of the Nazi gas chambers, and he wrote this, it will be on the screen, the greatest evil is not now done in those sordid dens of crime that Dickens loved to paint. It is not done even in concentration camps and labor camps, in those we see its final result, but it is conceived and ordered, moved, seconded, carried, and minuted, in clean, carpeted, warmed, and well-lighted offices, by quiet men with white collars and cut fingernails and smooth-shaven cheeks who do not need to raise their voices. Is the point he's making. Any policy, any action, any words that corrode relationships, that belittle others, that destroy livelihoods, that take away freedoms and life, that do violence to another person, they flow in the stream of evil. They suggest the influence of Satan. And this darkness, when you see its effect, feels unstoppable, doesn't it? Certainly how it looks like for this man. Back in verse 3, no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. We, we try, don't we? We try to subdue the darkness. We, we fend off some terrible system of thought, some terrible political ideology. Men and women are sacrificed in a war and yet evil comes back again. We use law and order and education and armies and international courts and economic sanctions. But evil just keeps bursting through. No one is strong enough to subdue him. The darkness, it is always there alongside us, always corrupting and destroying and dehumanizing, always breaking free of its bonds and its chains that we try to place upon it. It seems unstoppable. But then Jesus shows up. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, the man ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And so now the scene is set for some kind of battle, some kind of fight between Jesus and evil. Now on paper, this is not a fair fight because everything is stacked against Jesus. This is not one v one. 
Listen to verse 9. Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Legion was a term for a Roman battle group. It could include up to five or 6,000 soldiers. Jesus is one, and he is facing this opponent of five or 6,000. The odds are very much stacked against Jesus. He is massively outnumbered. Now, at this point, it feels a little bit like one of those kind of Marvel superhero kind of films. Uh, Laura hates those kind of films, Marvel and superheroes, but I, I've sneaked in uh, a bit of watching. Sometimes I have to get the train down to Southampton or Eastleigh, and, and Southwest trains allow you to kind of watch a, a film for free, so in kind of 10-minute kind of blocks. I've been getting through a bit of Spider-Man. The other night, Laura was at a uh, Redeemer Kids meeting, so I saw the first half of, of Spider-Man 2. Um, I just think, if anyone wants to invite her out this week, then I can get the second half in. <laughs> Most welcome. But the thing with these films is, isn't it, they always move to a climax, Spider-Man facing down the enemy. And there's this incredible battle and the tension and there's touch and go, is he going to do it, is he not going to do it? And for a moment it feels like that here. Jesus comes face to face with darkness. He is vastly outnumbered. But then when it comes to the actual fight, well, there is no fight. There's no contest. Verse 10, and Legion begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hills. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When Jesus comes face to face with darkness, when he stands toe to toe with evil, with the personal forces of evil, it is no contest. There is no fight. They plead and beg with Jesus. It's complete authority over them. Good versus evil. Light versus darkness, Jesus versus the devil. There is no contest. So do you see what that means? It means that in the end, evil does not win. It will not win. Torture, oppression, injustice will not win. Violence, cruelty, exploitation will not win. Maybe try something. Think of of the darkest place you can think of. Where darkness seems strong, where there is corruption and destruction and deviousness. I'm guessing different things are going to come to to your mind when I say that. Maybe it is the battlefields and and villages in Ukraine. Innocent people, victims of war, victims of, of abuse and mistreatment. Maybe that's where the darkness seems most strong to you. Or maybe it's the countries around the world ruled by oppressive regimes built on lies and fear. Maybe the darkness seems stronger there. Maybe it's the media, social media, platforms that allow darkness and evil to run wild, corrosive comments, bullying, shaming, hatred, division. Perhaps the power of darkness seems most strong to you there. Well, look, in Mark 5, Jesus steps off the boat and he comes face to face with darkness, with evil personified, and he confronts those forces and he wins. 
He commands the forces of evil and they fall back, they retreat, and they are banished. There is no place on this earth, no place in this world where the forces of darkness are too strong for Jesus. So don't lose hope. Don't stop praying. Lord, on the battlefields of Donetsk and Kharkiv, shine brightly. Stop the evil. The oppressive regime of Afghanistan, Lord, shine brightly. Stop the evil. Lord, when that next destructive or dehumanizing bill is discussed in our own parliament, Lord, shine brightly. Stop the wickedness. Lord, in my own toxic life, my own toxic work environment, my own toxic household, whatever it is, shine brightly, chase away the darkness. We do not lose hope because Jesus can overcome the evil in this world. Secondly, Jesus overcomes evil in our hearts. Because I think there's a problem with what I've said so far, isn't there? If Jesus is this powerful and this good, why is evil still present in our world? Why has he not yet got rid of it? Well, one day Jesus will banish evil from our world. Like he banished legion from this man, he will banish evil, all of it, from our world. But for now, he is waiting. Because the deeply unsettling truth is that darkness is not just an external force and something that is out there. We think, yes, it it influences us. Yes, it's led us astray, but it's out there. No, darkness is much closer. Earlier, I read that quote from One Tree Hill. Let me just finish it off. I didn't give you quite to the end. When did we lose our way? Consumed by the shadows, swallowed whole by the darkness. Does this darkness have a name? Is it your name? Is it your name? See, the the terrifying reality, the sad reality is this. Darkness is not just out there. It it isn't just devils and and demons. It is me and you. It's in here as well. If the goal of evil is to dehumanize and destroy, then we are guilty, aren't we? Not not on the same scale of the atrocious acts that come to mind when we think of evil, but, but when I use other people as means instead of ends, when I manipulate other people to get what I want, that's me dehumanizing someone else. When I treat other people because of their age, their skin color, their gender, their income as less valuable, less worthy of my time and kindness, that is me dehumanizing others. And then there's the evil we do to ourselves. The thoughts and the choices that we make that are so self-destructive. Does this darkness have a name? Is it your name? Jesus doesn't banish all evil from the world right now because if he did, he would have to banish us as well. Instead, he waits. He waits because he wants to do for each of us what he did for this man, and that is to remove the evil from our hearts. Just look at the transformation that happens to this man because of Jesus. Verse 14. 
Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. This man was restless and uncontrollable. Now he's sitting quietly with Jesus. He was nakedly roaming around the tombs. Now he is clothed. He was shouting out and screaming, and now he is in his right mind. He was begging Jesus to leave him alone. Now, verse 18, he's begging Jesus to let him go with him. Jesus restores this man back to his community, back to his humanity. He makes him whole again. He removes the evil. And he can do the same for each of us. Look again at what the man does when he first sees Jesus in verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He sees Jesus. And I wonder whether there is a little bit of the man himself and not just the demon at play here. Because he sees his only hope. And so he throws himself before Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Get rid of this darkness. This evil that infects my heart and my life. No one else is strong enough but you, Jesus. Maybe you think, look, there are, there are patterns of behavior. Patterns of thought that are destructive to others. That are self-destructive and dehumanizing. They've been with me all of my life. And I have tried. And I have tried to get rid of them. But it won't go. No one is strong enough except for Jesus. Christian or not, will we come to Jesus daily and ask him to remove the darkness from our hearts, to help us walk in the light, to put to death the evil within? We come to him. Seek the kind of change that he brought for this man. Or as we close, there's a terrifying alternative. We choose the darkness instead of Jesus. Do you know, there's another reaction, isn't there, to all that we've just read here? We see it in verse 15, the, the people of the village. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who'd seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Don't you find that odd? The people of the village have seen Jesus restore this man, give him his humanity back, remove this kind of evil from their community and their response. We want you to go, Jesus. Why? Because the cost of getting rid of evil is too great. It's too high. The people who tell the villagers what have happened, it's the pig herders. They rush into town, they start telling everyone, and yes, they're telling people about the man, but the pigs get a special mention, verse 16. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. It's when the villagers hear what's happened to the pigs that they say, Jesus, please leave. That is too much. It seems to them that they valued more than anything their status quo, their money, their livelihood, their old, quiet way of life. 
They get a glimpse of Jesus' transforming power as he sets the demon-possessed man free, but they see how disruptive and costly Jesus is. They see that having Jesus around means having their lives turned completely upside down. And they don't want that. So they say, please go, Jesus. I'm happy as I am. I'm happy with my world as it is. Too costly, too disruptive to get rid of. There's a Paul Simon song, as in Simon and Garfunkel. Um, The opening line is, hello, darkness, my old friend. Kind of what it's like, isn't it? It's too scary, too frightening to let Jesus into my life, to turn me around, to get rid of the evil. I much prefer the darkness that I know. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I wonder if that's something that resonates with you. Yes, we see the change that Jesus brings about for this man. It's beautiful, but it is so radical. It is so total and complete. We prefer, perhaps, the familiarity of darkness. Darkness in our present lives without Jesus. We prefer perhaps the the personal autonomy that we enjoy without Jesus. We prefer the darkness. Hello darkness, my old friend. So what will we choose? The darkness. It's all around, isn't it? We feel it. We know it. We experience it. Very often we are horrified by it. Do we really want to get rid of it? Jesus says, I can handle it. I am strong enough. One day I will banish evil from this world, but even now I can begin to banish it from your heart. So the choice is ours. Will we choose darkness and like the villagers, plead with Jesus to go? Or will we be like the man and plead with Jesus day in and day out, to change us. Take the evil out of our hearts and to follow him. Moment of quiet, now we're going to pray. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is strong enough. Strong enough to subdue all the evil in this world. And strong enough to subdue the evil in our own hearts. We pray that whether we're Christian or not this morning, you would help us to turn to the Lord Jesus. To ask him to bring about that change in our hearts. Slowly but surely to remove the darkness, that we might walk in love and in light. In Jesus' name, amen.